Welcome to episode number five of the Grab Blogger podcast, where we're helping academics change the world through online business. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we have an interview with Dr. Jennifer Polk. In this episode and in this interview, we're talking about how does blogging or how did blogging drive her coaching business when she gets started online a number of years ago. This interview was actually recorded live from the Grab Blogger podcast launch party that happened on April 16th, 2019. So we did this in the Grab Blogger Connect Facebook group. We had a bunch of interviews, workshops, and giveaways on that day. And then we recorded some of these interviews. Now we're playing them through the podcast. So you'll, you'll hear a couple of references to the audience and pulling in questions. That is due to this actually being a live interview and we're actually getting feedback and pulling that back from the audience. So Jen's business today is focused around Beyond the Professoriate. That's beyondprof.com, which is a career coaching community for academics. They have a, a membership community component. They also put on annual events, and they're really helping to take academics from graduating or from getting their PhD to where they're going next in life, whether that's through tenure-track academic positions, whether that's switching to industrial careers, whether that's self-employment. However, as Jen talks about in this interview, that's not really where she started. She started with a blog that was from phdtolife.com. She started communicating with others like herself that were kind of getting towards or, or completed the, the end of their PhD and didn't really know what was next in life. So in this interview, we talk about how blogging played a role in creating a coaching business for her, and some of the interesting things that she found along the way, including the importance of starting in a, a very small niche. Uh, we talk a lot of personal branding topics, such as should you put your name on your blog and how to be authentic and be yourself when going through this whole process. So as always, I appreciate you listening to the Grab Blogger podcast. I hope you learn a lot from this interview, and I know you're going to learn a lot from the experience that Jen shares. Jen has a, a PhD in history. After finishing her PhD, or, or maybe even during, we'll get into that story, she started blogging around her experience. She started doing coaching and was really quite successful at that. Moved forward, started building these communities kind of brought her to where she is today. I know her from from PhD to life.com, from PhD to life on Twitter. I know tons of academics who have had coaching with her. And I know her pretty well from Beyond Prof. So Jen, maybe if you could you could start by just letting the the audience know, those that are tuning in, what it what is your business today or even your businesses today, if you will? Yeah. So today right now and it's spring 2019, um, I work full time uh, with Marin Wood and our the rest of our small team with Beyond the Professoriate, which also mentioned, and uh, that is basically all I do these days. Um, so I did have other stuff in the past, but yeah, Beyond Prof is the main thing these days. And for folks who are curious, it's beyondprof, P-R-O-F dot com. Uh, it's easy to find out stuff. And as a co-founder of that, I do a lot of different things. One chunk of my ongoing role. Uh, which has been true for several months now, is that I manage all of the live events that we do. Uh, and and the live events usually get turned into video recordings. So that whole process from like, uh, I think we need this to happen, <laughs> all the way to like, and it's, you know, we have the recordings and the closed captions all set. So that's a big chunk of my uh, job uh, as a business owner. But I do lots of other stuff uh, in the context of Beyond Prof. Awesome. So I see a couple people coming in. Definitely, if you have questions about getting started on blogging, which is our topic, throw them in the comments. We'll bring those into the, the feed and we'll, we'll go through it. That's a really good overview of Jen's background. I guess the other, one, the other thing I want to mention is she part of Beyond Prof or 
adjacent to it is Aurora, which is the, I don't know how to best say it, but the institution-based platform for teaching graduate students these skills. If some of you are tuned in to this and you are part of the administrative part of your university or looking for that support for your graduate students, check out Aurora too, because I don't know how many videos you guys have in there, like 8,000 now or something. <laughs> we have almost 200 different PhDs on video in various ways, talking about themselves, giving advice, uh, etc. Oh, there you go. So check that out if you're on the institutional side as well. So Jen, it sounds like today your business is, you know, has a lot of moving parts. You have a team, you're building up beyond professoriate, um, you're doing conferences. Maybe if you can take us back, how did Dr. Jennifer Polk or even Jen Polk before she came doctor, how did she get started down this road to entrepreneurship? Yeah, absolutely, Chris. So let me let me say that uh, I did have a blog when I was a graduate student. I very rarely blog specifically about being a graduate student. I don't think it was a music blog and podcast, the local indie scene here in Toronto. It had nothing really to do with my, uh, my PhD, my dissertation. But just to say that I did have some background in the, the form of blogging. So, um, and, and you're right when you said Dr. Jennifer Polk started blogging for real um, in my current context or sort of, anyways, yeah, you mentioned from PhD to life. I finished my PhD in early 2012 and, you know, flailed around in the way that people do. And one of the main things I did was I ended up hiring a career coach in November 2012, something like that. And it was in that context of me trying to figure out what I was going to do next uh, and working with Hillary Hutchinson uh, that I started to feel way better about my situation and get perspective and, and started to put together some of the things that I've been learning over the past few months. And I launched in December 2012, I launched from PhD to Life. And it's, it's funny, the name came to me sort of in a, in a flash. And that same evening, I bought the domain from phdtolife.com. That's all spelled out in words from phdtolife.com uh, and I wrote the first two blog posts uh, and published it that same evening. Yeah, so I, I, I feel like hats, uh, hats off to Hillary Hutchinson. You can find her at uh, transitioningyourlife.com. She's still uh, around and she's a fantastic, amazing resource. Anyways, that was the origins of From PhD Life. Uh, and I did grow a business out of that, but it was a good chunk of months before I realized that I had the beginnings of a business. It really did start as blogging and wanting to help people. Not, not where everyone starts with blogging, but that was true for me. Sharing my own story and very quickly started to interview other PhDs and that series is the transition Q&A series, which is still ongoing. It's, it's you know, uh, we don't do it as often as we like, but my own story and sharing other folks' story and other resources and yeah that was the beginning of everything i do now well i love that and there's a couple of key things i want to pull out of that so one she thought of a blog name from phd life launched that after that evening and wrote two blog posts <laughs> so i don't know if you know jen but uh, she can be a quick mover but that's that's even quick for her maybe <laughs> yeah. the other thing i want to say is that she did it just to blog and and that's a good point because a lot of people you start thinking about building a business and all stuff up front, it makes it kind of hard to think about just doing it for the joy. So I didn't actually earn any money from my blog for eight months. Um, you'll hear some of my story in the first three podcast episodes. But yeah, it took me quite a while too before I realized what the different avenues might even be to to kind of make money. It wasn't until, until two years ago today when I joined Self-Employed PhD Group that I was like, oh, this, I could do something here. And what, you know, what, what, how do people do this? Um, and now that's what I'm trying to teach through Grablogger. 
So same as, as Jen, where she started with, you know, it was a number of months before she even had an inkling of a business that could be built. These transition Q and A's, which are still essentially what goes into Aurora. Well, maybe that's a big step, but a lot of these videos and these concepts of interviewing people and sharing their stories are a lot of the things that are the building blocks for pieces of, of her business today. So the point there was, if you start blogging, you start putting this into the world, you don't really know what the, the avenue is going to be that's going to take you where you want to go, but it'll open up a whole bunch of new ones. So kind of with that in mind, maybe take us through the process of just becoming a coach and maybe how blogging fit in with that. And, and just because I'm sure there's people listening right now going, okay, well, I, I have a blog, but what's this whole coaching thing? Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And I appreciate what you were just saying. So I, I had this blog and I was sharing my story and I started getting active on Twitter, which is also a big part of this. Shout out to you know, Twitter. I mean, it, it, these days, maybe there's other platforms that fit you well, but just to say multi-platform, <laughs> right, is a thing. And I was inspired by my coach and I felt really uh, embarrassed, I guess, is one way of saying that by thinking, I want to work as a coach too, maybe. <laughs> anyways i fessed up to hillary admitted it and uh, she's like oh i think you'd be great at this actually so i did interviews of coaching i read a lot about coaching uh and the months went by so it so i remember i started my blog in december the end of may so that's almost a good six months later uh i signed up for my first coaching class this is a i think they, they called the foundations course uh but it was an introduction of coaching and it was over the phone it's a conference line a class that you take, professional development, and it lasted several months. But that was the context in which I first started first started having my business and that realizing I had a business because the the uh, the coach, the the instructor of that course encouraged all of us to get practice and not just with our classmates, which was sort of you know, not required but recommended. And I did that, but to reach out to people in your own network uh, and friends of friends and colleagues of colleagues and to get practice coaching. And I did that, and that was my first clients I had, you know, June or July, 2013, $10 a session, which I don't recommend, but it's what, you know, I, I could say $10 a session with a straight face, you know, that was my level of confidence in it. Uh, and I'm really grateful for those early questions. But to connect this to the question you did ask, Chris, one of the things that you learn when you take coaching, at least I learned when I, I was doing coach training was uh, that having a niche Having a you know a specific area that you focus on is a good thing. Like they talk about niching down, and it can be counterintuitive because you don't want to like omit anybody, exclude anybody. But actually, they're saying if you could talk to like even one person, you have like one real profile that you have in mind, that that can be a really powerful business strategy. And I you know I sort of I mean it's sort of amazing to think back now <laughs> what I know now, but back then I did ponder you know who do I want to what is this you know who do I want to uh, help and I. I don't, I don't know that there probably wasn't a moment, but I sort of realized over time, oh, actually, I already have a niche. <laughs> it's people who are me, but just like a few, you know, maybe like a year before me or six months before me. And that's cool. And like, I felt confident in that, like, I can help the people that are six months before me and I can bring, you know, I get it. Like, I'm not just a random coach who has no perspective on what it means to do a PhD. So anyways, it was, you know, okay, so my clients are going to be people who are me, but in the past. Anyway, so let me say, and, and I'll, to tie it into blogging, it's not only that I had a niche that came directly out of the blog, but that once I launched the business, and even in this very small, small way, like basically who wants to help me practice, and 
spreading the word on the blog. You know, I wrote a blog post about that and, you know, putting it out on Twitter and I'm sure on my own personal Facebook. I had very quickly people that came to me who were not who I thought would come to me. So, you know, I was, okay, I'm going to help people who are finished the PhD and trying to figure out what's next and thinking not academia. And one of my very, very first clients was somebody who was still finishing a dissertation, trying desperately to finish a dissertation. She was not interested in, you know, what came next. I mean, we later worked on what came next, but really it was like, I need to finish the dissertation. I didn't anticipate that. Uh, but I think it's a pretty common story that you put yourself out there in a particular niche and then other people sort of around that niche start to see you as an expert to an expert or someone that can help them or whatever it is. So that also is the value of putting yourself out there. That even if you're not necessarily talking to that specific person, other people are going to stumble upon you and sort of get you. I love that point. And I'll, so the way I've kind of described is if you had have started really big, you probably wouldn't have found those people. But if you start really niche, it's easier to work your way out and become more general as you go. And I talk about this quite a bit in in the Academics Mean Business podcast episode I did with Lindsay, who will be on at uh, at three o'clock Eastern today. Um, that's episode forty four. So I say a couple things in there. One, you know, if you look at online marketing, they say find a niche, find a niche, find a niche, whatever the heck that is. But you realize that your your PhD degree is the smallest niche you're going to find that the people that are in it actually care about a lot. Like you're already in a niche. And the other thing I want to say about that is, yeah, if you start really small, you can work your way out. So like I started blogging about the science of, I can't even figure out the, the layman words of it, but of deflagration, which just means a flame, subsonic flame propagating. The science of flame moving through a dust cloud. That was my thesis, the science, the physics and chemistry. I started blogging about that. And now today, my blog, that's very niche. Today, my blog is about industrial safety more generally. We cover regulation. We cover mindset around safety. And we cover the research and the physics and the chemistry and actually try to tie university groups through to, to companies that need that research or governments that need that research. But if I'd have started there, it would have been hard to find a, you know, a loyal following. But starting really small, it's like, oh, one person kind of liked it. And, and my, my mom and my wife and my aunt were like the first people on my newsletters. But then one person would sign up and come in. So it was a really, it was a really cool process. Starting niche is a really important key there. So I, I'm glad you highlighted that. You also said one one thing in a funny way that I want to point out. You said people will see you as an expert. And I had this written on my list of questions for you. How do you feel about the term personal branding when you start writing a blog and people started to see you as maybe an expert? Like how does that fit in? And I know there's a lot of nerves about that. I mean, I, I named my blog mydustexplosionresearch.com because not because dustexplosionresearch.com was taken but because I wanted to stick a mine in the front so people didn't think that I was like the expert. A year later, I, it was the authoritative expert material in that space. And I was like, oh, I really wish I hadn't stuck a mine in the front. That's a terrible name. Nobody can say it. But that's a personal story. But coming back to the question, how do you feel with this whole thing? Personal branding, blogging, being an academic, being an expert, What what is all this stuff? I feel a lot more comfortable with it nowadays, although I still have my moments. So let me give you a really recent example of a moment. <laughs> I'm still kind of in it a little bit. I, I was contacted by someone that I follow on Twitter. He follows me. Uh, I want to recommend you to be a panelist at this Canadian health research panel discussion in Ottawa. You know, like the government city, right? And I was like, uh, I made a history PhD, but I didn't say that. I thought that. And then I was like, well, hold up. 
if talking about professional development for uh, research students, like you know, doctoral master students. And I was like, well, that I can be an expert in, in Canada. <laughs> like, so I said yes, but I admit there's still, it's coming up in June. So, uh, you know, I still have my moments. Anyways, I'm veering through your question. Yeah, so I am a lot more comfortable with it now, although it, imposter syndrome, you know, is a thing that continues. I, you know, <laughs> working with my coach and reading a lot and interacting with other people and giving myself endless pep talks is all part of the ongoing strategy there. Chris, can you ask me a more narrow question? Because I know that I'm veering here. No, you're doing, that's, it's great to see the perspective. And the question was, how do you feel about personal branding? So it was kind of an open-ended thing anyway. Yeah, well, it's interesting because, you know, I am my own person and I have my own personality and I have this business beyond prop and the business is not just me. I think that's true for people. I mean, it is true for people who are really uh, solopreneurs entirely. Uh, and it, it I, yes, I don't think there needs to be a real distinction there that you are a person and then you have this business that you do, even if it's a side hustle. And there are decisions to be made about uh, how you portray yourself publicly. So <laughs> I and I make yes, and I do make those decisions. And I one of the decisions I make over time is I, I will share pictures of my cat on Twitter, you know, <laughs> She's right there if you care. Uh, but that's, you know, that's not a decision anyone makes. I don't really talk politics. Um, I used to do more retweeting of politics, political stuff, um, and I do less of that now. You know, I, in, in part, that's because of my own personality. I just can't deal with it personally. But different people make different choices about that kind of stuff. I think it's okay to be yourself. I think, you know, if, actually, I think it's of great value to be yourself. Uh, and, maybe not all of yourself, but when I share a picture of my cooking, which I almost never do because I hate cooking, <laughs> I get like a hundred likes on that stuff. And it's not because I'm a grand chef because I am not, but I think people really relate to people. Uh, Chris, you said this to me once months ago, you know, business to consumer, business to business, it's P to P, right? People to people. You said that. I like that. Yeah, no. So I think it's, it's all good. And there's things to think about and, uh, I'm, I'm not bothered by the term personal branding. You know, you can call it networking or sorry, reputation if you prefer, but it's all the same stuff. Yeah. And I'll add, it's, it's easier to be yourself. Take it from somebody who, who has a, a brand in industrial safety and a brand in grad blogger, which is kind of more quirky. And, and um, I've been merging that personality. Like I used to literally, I'd do a meeting with grad blogger and I'd have this on and then I'd go throw on a, you know, a collared dress shirt and do my next meeting with and but i've stopped doing that so i've started just it's easier to be yourself than to try to make up this kind of persona but i did i know you've been in the space so long that you probably went through all those imposter syndrome personal branding i mean one really small thing that i that they may be useful for people to hear is when i first started my blog right december 2012 i there was a moment I think academics will feel me on this. I had a moment of like, okay, I'm planning on writing about my own journey here. Do I put my name on this blog? And that was the context in which I wasn't sure if I was going to have a future as a professor. I mean, I wasn't working as a professor, but you know, if, if I was going to go on an academic job, it was still an open question at that time. And you know, there's all these cautions that you hear in academic spaces about you know, social media and being public and blogging, you know, being a person instead of just your research. Yeah, I mean, even right back then at the beginning, just even at that level, like, do I put my real name on this thing? <laughs> I did not put my real name 
uh, on my music blog when I was doing my PhD. It wasn't hard to figure it out. I mean, I wasn't like super secret about it, but like didn't scream Jennifer Pope. But I did put my name and my email address, I think even my phone number, on from PhD Life in the beginning. And I had to make that choice. It wasn't obvious. Yeah, and I like that. And and it is hard. And definitely have any questions about this. I see a couple more people coming to the live. Throw them in and we'll we'll definitely talk about it. But but I really would I would really advise maybe too strong a word here, but I would have you think about putting your own name on it. Because if I didn't for my for dust safety science, which was my dustexplosionresearch.com at the start, I wouldn't have the business I would today. I wouldn't have connected with the people. I would like I I was invited to to give presentations in Germany and Chicago. I I was recently invited to give a presentation in Shanghai, which I can't make it to because I got a six month old here, which you'll probably see later today. Switzerland or Sweden rather in in a couple months, which I also can't make it to. But you know, if I didn't have my name on it, who are they going to send this invitation to? To the cat lover at dustexplosionresearch.com, or <laughs> like it, there's the possibility are so much bigger if you put your own name on it. And um, so I would I would recommend that, but it's not easy and it's not not a non trivial trivial decision. Um, but for kind of backup fodder for that, I started my blog to get a get a job. I was kind of transitioning careers, and I won't go into that. We'll leave that for another podcast episode. But within like six to months to a year, I was like getting job offers all the time, um, and I still get job offers today. And now I try to switch conversation to how how can we work together? Because I own a company and you guys are a company, and how can we do the things we want to do? Um, no, I don't want to be your employee. But you know, if I didn't if I didn't have my name on it, they wouldn't they couldn't give job offers. And it's getting more and more that even academics and even tenure track and even research grants need you need to show they're doing some sort of communication aspect. So leaving your name on it's getting more and more common, and leaving your name on it, I think, is getting more and more powerful. Um, so that's a great topic. I didn't have that in mind when we started, but I really like it. It's really interesting. And shout out to a couple other academic accounts that probably folks know about or, or appreciate knowing about is Academics Say, S-A-S. I don't know if Nathan, Dr. Um, Hall, Nathan Hall put his personal Twitter handle in the bio for Academics Say right at the beginning, but it is there now for sure. And he's been profiled as, you know, so clear that Dr. Nathan Hall, Professor Nathan Hall, Associate Professor McGill is behind academic say, but you know, that's an interesting choice. And there is a, that is a clearly separate brand uh, on social media as opposed to uh, Professor NCH or whatever his Twitter handle is. But on the other hand, Lego grad student, I don't know who Lego grad student is. I've sent emails like, hey, LGS, and he, 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 she, I don't know, actually responds, you know, cheers, LGS. (laughs) And that's, that's fine. And I know that Lego grad students has given talks uh, at universities. And I'm, I, I think from the social media that I've seen that Lego grad students is an assistant professor. That's not a secret, but I don't know who, who they are. Uh, so it's interesting. It's very interesting. <laughs> if you're listening right now, Lego. It's all good. But I, I personally would love to know because I just, I'm curious. <laughs> hey, yeah, we won't tell anybody. No. <laughs> oh, I love that. So, okay. We're getting close to time on this. So I want to I want to turn the boat around and just maybe take you back to that day when you started your, in your case, you thought of the domain name and you did it in like 12 hours, but um, that's probably going to come out of this a bit. But what, if somebody's even some of the people that are commenting here in the, the comments or some people that are listening down the road when this is a podcast episode and they're just at the, the getting started, the prefaces, I didn't say a word right, but this is live recording. So I get stuck with that. <laughs> um, 
what advice would you give them or how would you tell them to move forward um, with, with building a blog and, and maybe down some of these hard roads we talked about, like personal branding and stuff? I'm really a fan of doing the stuff and, I, I, and not, not sort of stressing about it too much. Yes, yes, uh, you know, there are cautions out there. Yes, bad shit can happen. But in my experience, even being a woman on Twitter with 35,000 followers, I, I, mean, I just don't get, I don't get the crap. And so, you know, I feel very fortunate. I mean, I, you know, I've been really, 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 really lucky as maybe the way of saying it, but I, I'm a fan of this kind of stuff. I, I think when you put yourself out there, it's great. You, as Chris was talking about, opportunities do come. In my case, after having my own blog on my own website, University Affairs, which is the big higher ed magazine and website blogging in, in Canada, was like, hey, Jen, do you want to be a blogger for us? And I was like, of course I do. <laughs> this is amazing. And that was a huge part of my business growth in the beginning and i've been a blogger for them for years and that's been super super important and that you know opened up all kinds of opportunities and that started because i had my own small blog for a few months on my own site and other advice you also learn about yourself i mean writing is thinking you know i writing is thinking it's really true uh and and any avenue for writing is good and and blogging is you can choose what style you want, but I'm I'm much more casual, much more like chatty, I guess you would say, on my own blog. And you you can also figure out much more about who you are. So you know this is all really valuable and fun, and it's kind of ephemeral. I mean, sure, you know, if bad shit can happen, but everything is a risk, and I think it's a risk worth taking. I mean, you can make your own judgments on that, uh, but I really think it's a risk worth taking uh, for lots of reasons, internal and external ones. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think in general, just putting yourself out there and letting people know who you are and asking for help, even if it's implied, but also asking for help publicly. And these are all very good things. And one way of doing that is blogging and also social media. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm a better human today than I than I was two years ago because of this stuff. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, and of course, Twitter is microblogging, which I feel, still think is true. So it counts. I agree. So I think we'll leave it off of that because that's, that's an amazing way to end off. I think from the comments we're getting in the the group here, people are really resonating with that message. Just in summary, we we just started talking about Jen's story, um, how she got to be on Prof today, running companies like Aurora, um, and how it all started back at From PhD to Life. Um, we mentioned briefly some of the groups. So Beyond Prof has a membership community. I'm part of it. And part of that is also the self-employed PhD group, which used to be its own group. Now it's under there. I advise anybody that's interested in, in self-employment to check that out. I've been a member for two years. Um, I'm active a couple times a week in there. It's a great group. We do video chats like this. That's why I, I know Jed's history a bit. We talked about niching down. Um, it's easier to start really niche and work your way out than to go really broad. So sure, I could tell everyone how to blog and podcast and create video. But if I start with people with PhDs, it's much smaller and well, I'll probably never work my way out, to be honest. I love you guys too much. so. <laughs> but it's it's better to start really niche and work your way out. Uh, we talked about personal branding, which I didn't have. Well, I did have on the list, but the discussion I wasn't intending to be so big. But it's such a big topic. It's really important. Um, Jen talked briefly about blogging with University Affairs as well. Maybe we'll get her on a future podcast episode to see how that plays a role in building your your personal brand, if you will, this whole blogging somewhere else. And then we just closed up on kind of words of wisdom just getting started, how it really can help you build your career inside academia, inside industry, and, and certainly as a, a personal career. Um, so with that, we will we'll finish up what will be the podcast recording. Thank you, Jen, so much for 
for sharing your words of wisdom. And I look forward to the next time we get to talk. Thank you. Thanks so much, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that interview with Jen that we recorded as part of the Grab Logger podcast launch party. As always, you can download the transcripts from this episode at grablogger.com slash five for the show notes. We actually put together a tip sheet or a cheat sheet with the four big tips from this podcast episode with regards to personal branding. So you can get that at the show notes as well. If you like the material that we're posting on the podcast and it's helpful in your work and in your blog and in your business, um, please go rate and review, give an honest review in iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And stay tuned for next week's episode, which also comes from the Grab Blogger launch party, where we'll be talking to Dr. Lindsay Padilla about how podcasting drives her business today. Mm-hmm.